Hi folks, welcome to the next episode of Serverless Edge. Um, my name is Dave Anderson. I'm a technical fellow at Bizarre Voice and uh, author and contributor to Serverless Edge. Uh, Michael O'Reilly, a software architect with Globalization Partners and contributor with the Serverless Edge. Uh, Mark McCann, uh, contributor and author of Serverless Edge, Dead Home Dad. So, so we're continuing our series of talking about our, our favorite well-architected pillars, which will be our favorite, who knows, how, how, how exciting. Um, <laughs> today we're going to talk about uh, the performance pillar, uh, which I think is, is a strangely interesting one. It's called performance efficiency. Um, this one's got a couple of, couple of different bits. Like I say, each of the pillars of well-architected, I usually have a, around 10 questions. This one has eight and it's got um, four sections. For this one, it's selection, review, monitoring, and trade-offs. And this is really about the performance efficiency of your, of your whole system. But the, the meaty part here is selection, where there's five questions about selection. And really, the, 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 the kicker question here is the first one, how do you select the best performing architecture? Ooh. Ooh, that is a good one, because... You just don't throw loads of technology to solve a problem if you don't actually understand who your users are and what are their needs. So this one is, you know, you should go really hard and deep on this one to truly make sure that you understand the the the, the problem you're trying to solve for, the users yeah. that are going to use this system, what are their needs. Uh, and, and once you have that in hand, you know, do something like domain-driven design just to break it up a little bit. You know, make sure you have your good boundaries and, and good domains established. And when you have all that, you are well-informed. And now you can think about what's the best architecture that can actually uh, meet the needs of, of mm. the users. And this this is this is an interesting. I, I've probably been in this position, I'd say, three times in my career. When you're, you're sitting and... Your job is to pick an architecture for a, a big problem, and it's it's a, it's like the responsible moment because that architecture might last 10, 15, 20 years, and you have to be really careful about what that's for and what it's going to do and what it'll do in the future. Um, I think the few times I had done it, it worked okay, but um, it's it. it's pressure because you, there's always at the start of a project, there's always pressure to just get something working. But you need to kind of pause at the start and figure that out. I think as well, the idea of the mental model of the system is really important. But can you explain to everyone in your company what it is? You know, it's a it's an X, Y, and Z. It's like it's like the mental model of a car. You know, everyone knows that if you draw a car, there's like you know engine, wheel, steering wheel, brakes, you know, a cabin, whatever. People get the mental model of it. Um, and your architecture, your system needs to be that simple. It's this is what it is. There's lots of different ways you can structure it, but you need to decide on a, a mental model that will work, people get, and then it's going to evolve over time. Yeah, yeah. The, the evolution is critical here. You know, is it the best architecture to meet the needs right now? But is there scope, capacity, room for it to evolve? Uh, to meet to unexpected future needs as well. You know, you haven't painted yeah. yourself in the corner. And I think, I think, I think within this one, certainly with my experience over the last number of years and kind of adopting the serverless first mentality is you go out with, I, I think this is where the, 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 the sort of opinionated 
kind of um, you know approach. You know the the fact that AWS or the you know GCP or Azure have they've got these opinionated kind of managed services that you can kind of integrate and, and assemble. And I think you know if you guys have mentioned like you know Dave, I think you were kind of touching on sort of concept there on evolutionary architecture, that whole last responsible moment. You know where if I'm building something you'd like to build it fast, you know, get out there in front of it. Yeah. And then in the meantime, you know, focus in on the, is the domains correct? Is the logic in the right place? Is it, you know, have, 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 am I thinking about this in terms of the socio technical view of the, of the organization? But meanwhile, I don't, I don't want to kind of overthink something or over design something. Yeah. So I want to move fast, but then I, I reserve the right at some point as we scale it up or, the system kind of evolves to pivot and change reasonably quickly, which I think is, again, another um, another factor here. With you know, with serverless, because it's it is event driven, you are forced to go down sort of really event driven style architectures. Yeah. You know, it lends itself to that sort of evolution, so you can swap things out later, and you can, yeah. you know, if you need a container or a SaaS or an external vendor or whatever, you know, it's it's very pluggable, it's very evolvable. Yeah. Well, so it's yeah. Yeah, I think there's something important about that as well, performance efficiency, is that when you break your system down to domains and down to components, I remember I used to say this, is say the engineer, see that component, it's got to do X, Y, and Z, and it's got to be good, it's got to be, it's got to work, it's got, it's got to be well-architected. So you figure out how to make that happen. And if that's just calling a managed service from AWS, fine. That's building something yeah. fine, but there's a there, there's a whole bunch of non-functional requirements about that box that need to be right. Um, which is thinking about you know the component itself, where you get into the idea of is it a commodity component or is it something that's mission critical to your business or a sort of like an IP thing? So do you need to build it or can you just rent it? Uh, and that again with the whole aspect of wordly mapping. You want to be thinking about, you know, should I build this? You know, we, we need global storage. Let's try and build that. Uh, no, just use yeah. S3, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think like you mentioned that having that serverless first mindset and approach really can help you with performance. You know, is there a managed service you can leverage? Is Does it have a serverless capability or is it on the serverless spectrum? And if it doesn't, can you fall back to something that's that's, you know, you know, still have serverless characteristics, maybe not as much. So an example here would be, does DynamoDB fit your needs for your data? If it doesn't, can you fall back to something that's still on the serverless spectrum, like Aurora serverless, if it's a if it's a relational database, for example, right? Um, so I think you're know, keeping that in mind, you know, what's the managed service I can leverage first? What's the serverless capability I can leverage first? And if it doesn't meet your need for, for, your, for your use case, then you can fall back to something that's you know, a bit further back on the serverless spectrum. But uh, that applies across compute storage, your database, and on the well, to a degree, your networking. Well, here's the the, the serverless sort of, sort of standing still and you're improving type mentality kind of kicks in here as well because you know over the number of years we've, we've seen cold starts reduce. You know you're starting to see yeah. sort of more connectivity directly across managed services as opposed yeah. to having to move directly mm-hmm. through through lambdas, and you're you're starting to get those sorts of benefits without you even having to do anything. You know, so again, it's another benefit to really considering a serverless approach to your to your to your architecture and, and i know um even then it allows you to focus on you know like dave if you're kind of working on a sensitive part or you know you know, this has to be performant you know and we got to get it working there's ways to design that into the workload itself so like do we need the cache or do we need 
you know, yeah. um, is there stuff there that we could do to optimize or streamline or, um, you know, and, and certainly yeah. those conversations is it, we, would happen yeah. here as part of that, this review, you know. Um, yeah. I think one of, one of the best things about, you know, is the serverless approach to, to performance is that the cloud provider is constantly working at, at improving performance efficiency, reducing costs, speeding up and, and adding more horsepower to your compute. So, you know, by, by, by choosing smartly your architecture, you're almost, you got a, a free underlying platform team that are constantly working at improving your performance. Um, and you can just take advantage of it sometimes without even having to worry about it. Sometimes with a small change, you can uh, leverage that, that uh, performance of, um, improvement. Yeah. And then moving on the next section, but really what you said is that review and, and here that's about how do you constantly review your architecture? Do you take advantage of new releases? I mean, the cloud providers are constantly innovating. They're releasing stuff every week. You want to be in a position where you can add in new stuff quickly that you're not breaking the whole architecture or, or, or kind of like a, yeah. a, 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 a two-way door, as, as Amazon calls it. You want to be able to go in, do something, and then get back out again if you need to. Don't do a one-way door where you're kind of trapped. Yeah, and I think this is where Morley mapping can be you know, really advantageous to, to your teams. If you've mapped out your tech stack and you understand the components of, of your tech stack and you can see you know, where they are in the evolutionary axis and a new capability or a new service comes out, you can immediately start to assess it against your current components and say, well, we're custom building a database. Oh, there's now a new managed service that, that meets our needs exactly. Let's evolve and use that. Yeah. And now you've, well, now you've, now and you've you, just... And you, know, and you know as well, so what we've done this in the past, sometimes you think we're building something, but... That's going to something's going to come out. It's going to do that job for me, so I'm going yeah. to put that. I'm going to build that in a way that I can replace it easily when something comes out. Yeah, so predictive evolution. Yeah, yeah, totally. EventBridge is a good example there. You know, where maybe you know for a long time we've been using like an SNS SQS fanout type approach to the um, event in. Whereas, you know, EventBridge, when it was initially released, the latency there was maybe something you were kind of looking at, you're kind of going, well, it's yeah. getting to the point where, you know, and, and and you can see the team are trying to get that that reduced, but it's, you know, you're, you're constantly looking at that kind of going, okay, well, you know, maybe once that gets to a certain level, we'll make that that, that cutover, but um, it's, a, it's, it's a good example of, you know, how do you yeah. evolve it and are you planning for that? Yeah. And there's probably, there's probably another uh, terminal crack episode just on how you, how to keep up with the pace yeah. of change and, the, and the, the, the the fire hose of, of informational updates. But uh, do, you, yeah. do you know how to do that? Do you know how? Do you know? Can you tell us? No, no. I think I think we, we, we need to have an episode to explore. But uh, I think there is there is huge uh, return on investment of just having your radar up and being aware of how the environment around you is changing and, and being. Yeah. Being open and, and, and able to adopt some of these new capabilities that can massively save you, save you time, money, and effort. Yeah, for sure. So then the next um, the next section of this one is monitoring, which is how to monitor your resources for performance, which is fairly straightforward. And then the last one is trade-offs. How do you use trade-offs to improve performance? Um, and a great example of that is the Lambda Power Tuner. Where you can yeah. you can you can you can tune your function based on memory or, or CPU to get the the that nice balance between cost and um, performance. Yeah, that's a great one. And I think uh, that's so, it. It's like, what what are you willing to pay for? You know, uh, is is it worth it? 
And so performance efficiency quickly becomes a, a worth-based development type conversation. You know, yeah. if your business isn't isn't bringing in loads of money, you don't need all this horsepower under the hood. It doesn't need to be that efficient or that effective uh, from a no. performance point of view. If, and there's, if you're there, not bringing in the money. And there's a sustainability thing there as well, like not to leap ahead, like, but you know, yeah. like, do you need a sub-second response time for something? Maybe a one-second response time will be okay, mm. you know, yep. and, and not, not, not burning through everything just for the sake of it. Uh, that, 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 this this is a good habit one I think you know like yeah. so you, you get into the habit of you know our, our, is our lambda too big you know what can we do to yeah. kind of thin it down you know can we, can we, can we shorten it and, you, and anytime I run this I normally do see quite a lift you know um, I've seen teams go from you know three second response times to half a second response yeah. times because they've just trimmed something down you know so yeah. it definitely it's definitely one it's a good habit to there, be in there, there, there is a a fear when you get all this in place that teams over optimize and no. the engineering time isn't worth the the performance uh, improvement so you need to be just keep mindful of that but that's a that's when you're pretty far down the maturity curve on, on this not a bad problem to have all right so that's the crack that's um that's the um performance efficiency pillar of well architected um thanks for listening uh, more thoughts on the blog uh, at theserverlessedge.com and on Twitter at serverlessedge and also on Medium Dev2 and LinkedIn. Thanks very much. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.